Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Craze Cast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you closer to the action. My name is Jay, and today I'm joined by my hosts, Roxy and Amber. Hi. Hey, guys. And today we have a special guest. She's known as multifaceted ACG, but otherwise known as Ashley. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. All right. To keep up with all our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine, and YouTube, The Craze, for exclusive interviews as they come up. So today marks episode 20 of The Craze Cast, everybody. Woo! And... We have, again, a good friend of ours, mentor. If you don't know her by now, you should know her. Where have you been? We have Ashley. If you don't know who she is. (laughs) Ashley, if you want to go ahead and let our listeners who are listening for the very first time um, know who you are, tell us what you do, all of that good stuff. Sure. Um, hey, y'all. My name's Ashley Griffin, better known as Multifaceted ACG. I am a content creator, entrepreneur, a do-too-mucher, but definitely heavily involved in all this K-pop stuff. So I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited that you all are already in the 20s for your episodes. That's dope. <laughs> Ashley, you're no, you're no strangers to podcasts. You run your own do you want to tell us about that i run a podcast that i didn't plan out very well i run a podcast called an album a day which in my mind it sounded dope but the action of it is it's treacherous i am listening to over 30 years of modern korean pop music every single group disband one album or otherwise in chronological order discography for discography so yeah it's uh it's pretty ambitious i'm on season four at the end of this month and i was uh, originally on anchor.fm i started there and i recently moved to captivate.fm and prior to leaving i had over eight thousand listeners in a year which is sickening so i'm very proud of it but i'm kind of semi starting from scratch again since i'm on a new platform that seems like the research that must go into that is a killer. <laughs> oh God, and it, would, it wouldn't be so bad if I could just maintain my schedule off the podcast. The podcast is Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Central Time when there's a season, but the things that I could be doing like on the weekend, mm, I don't, I don't want to do it until like 6 a.m. because I record at 7 a.m. or I might record at midnight or, or 1 a.m. So... It, it's sounds just like it, us I don't sometimes. Know. I know, for real. Right? <laughs> I think it sounds like every podcast. I really do. You have all the best intentions. I've got this massive uh, spreadsheet of everything. And it's just like, when do you, how do you improve <laughs> if you don't have the time? <laughs> so like when it comes to building the podcast, like usually how long does it take for you just to build even just an episode? You're looking at about an hour in time because I have a a short cast. My episodes are between 12 to 15 minutes. And if I do a special episode, you might get a 20 to 25 minute. I don't want anyone to have to listen to my voice longer than that. I can't even stand to hear myself talk longer than that. So the episodes are so short and straight to the point. I mean, it's it's a total move, but keep it so straight and short to the point 
that by the time someone looks up, they're like, oh crap, I've listened to like six episodes. Now you're invested and now my numbers look really good. So <laughs> it's about an hour in prep, just making sure well in advance that I'm keeping the spreadsheet in order so that I'm keeping my ranking system and I can see what albums I've done and whatnot and any little auxiliary notes. All of the the drops and everything are recorded well in advance so I can just pull them and drop them into my editing. It's different with Captivate though. I, I must say Anchor makes it exceptionally easy to just drop everything in and literally drag and drop right on your phone or your desktop. But Captivate is intentional about the audio quality and the way that shows are structured and set up. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, but an hour is what it usually takes. Roxy, you edit our stuff um, when Emily doesn't. How long does it take you to edit one of our episodes using uh, Believe's setup? Um, I actually use, um, I started on iMovie just because it was easy, but I also have Anchor, or not Anchor, the Adobe one. Oh, yeah, Audition's really good for editing. Yeah, so um, depending, last week was very, very difficult uh, just because getting through, like, the, the portion with Mont's, uh, it took me like 18 years because I had to stop every two minutes. Because you laugh the whole time. <laughs> but I mean, um, it's we are longer sometimes. And I, I remember I edited the uh, car K-pop episode. That one went really long. We went over the rails on that one. And that one took me like three days, <laughs> like in between my work schedule. That's pretty dope. Like just the fact that you know, you can take the audio and I, that's the, the convenience of podcasting. Oh my God, that anybody can be anywhere. And so long as you get decent quality audio, you can sync it up. Like, however, I guess it's also a catch 22 because that can be horrendous for someone who doesn't want something synced up. You know, you can easily make it sound like a conversation has occurred and whatnot, but that's awesome. But you do have a really good system. I've used Audacity. I've used uh, Filmora pretty much anything that I can get my hands on to do any editing when necessary. I record with a snowball microphone and a pop filter. And since I live in a studio apartment, there's always an echo. So I have to make this little cube in front of me, in front of my mic to kind of block out everything. But I've already got like a real silky, husky voice anyway. <laughs> so it carries pretty well for the show. My question is, what made you decide to do a three-day? The thing that motivated a three day, it was, it was pretty much two things solid. Well, three, three things solidly. Number one, I started on YouTube in January of 2013 and I'm in my mid thirties now. At some point I'm going to age out of wanting people to see my face on YouTube. And it's been a few years of a process of weaning people off of seeing multifaceted ACG on YouTube. So I needed to find something that allowed me the opportunity to still enjoy this and share all my little nerdy knowledge and my ridiculous noises that I make and things in a way that accommodates the fact that I'm getting older. So that was number one. Number two, I heard so much redundancy in recent years with a lot of the, the artists. And I'm like, okay, look, we're constantly talking about someone's a legend or why you need to listen to it. I need to understand why. I do not get why this is suddenly supposed to be the apex of all music and whatnot. So I really wanted to go back and find out for myself. Yes, the show has its own opinionated commentary, but there's also historical factoids woven into how I explain everything. And then the third thing, I'm a music nerd. I love 
love music. I was an A&R from uh, 2007 to 2010 and uh, I produced music. So and danced, I danced for over 20 years. So like music is, is a part of my existence. It's not something that's just auxiliary to me. I have to have it around. And just being able to have a space to freely talk about music and the, the comparative analysis of it and the influences from other countries and whatnot on the Korean scene. It's been really fun to be able to do that in my own way. So that's really what created A3 Day. And I think it's just having an archive or some sort of is history there. It's just like, um, here, there's something where you like, you can go and like, oh, let me just check out this group, you know, and that's what you do for fans. And I think it's really cool that you do a podcast like this just because it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that release, at least from my standpoint. And I think Roxy and Amber can agree, you know, like, yeah. we forget about certain releases that happen. And we're like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. I do think too, like, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like, like, way too many people a ton of people have streamed into the k-pop realm just like in the last year or two or something and i feel like a lot of them like to say things like B bts paved the way is everybody's favorite thing to say these days we um, all have a lot of things <laughs> to say about that statement it's been said many a times like disclaimer i love bts but i also think it's important for people to understand like the foundation of k-pop is not bts it's just not you know they started in 2013 and k-pop is gone much further back than that so like i don't know i think it's interesting to be able to see the history k-pop's old as shit it's really so. old. <laughs> it's it's super old and I, I find it, <laughs> I, I don't mean to say it in a dismissive way, but I find it very precious that younger listeners like to have this whole pave the way conversation. And it's like, really, they did because like right here in my phone from the K-pop museum that's on Jeju-do, which I know most of them have never been to, I'm looking at a dance history list, just dance. And we're looking at 1987. I was born in 85. So what way did they pave? What way did they pave? I mean, they definitely have innovated. Don't get me wrong. They found a formula that worked and have created a, a lane of their own. They cannot be compared to a mass quantity of other groups, but they would not be able to do the things they were doing and are doing had it not been for Wonder Girls, had it not been for the influences of GLD and HOT, there would be no such thing as an idol group if it wasn't for those first ones. Uh, if and even SM going even farther back to Even that. further back. Yeah, even further back than that. But, you know, it's to each his or her or their own in terms of their interpretation. People come into music and they fall in love with what they fall in love with because it connects with them at a point in their life where things are usually tumultuous. You fall in love with a song because you like the vibe of it, but the songs that you really remember that you have like an emotional reaction to, maybe you were getting your butt handed to you in school. Maybe you were in a really bad breakup or something life-changing occurs, and then these musics, these songs, becomes the fabric of your life soundtrack. So because this is the fabric of so many people's life soundtrack, this is nothing but a repeat of 2011 and 2012 when everybody was losing their mind over Big Bang Alive. So it's the same vibe, just a new breed of very um, 
deeply emotionally invested people who don't have a lot of other things to emotionally invest themselves in at this time. And I mean, with COVID happening too, it just amplifies it, but go ahead, Amber. (laughs) I think the addition of having like the social media platforms has also added to the craziness because like when did like Twitter came out in like 2008, right? 2009? Around then, yeah. So like a lot of us were just getting into K-pop then and even in those early days, Twitter wasn't that popular. So like we were on things like we used Tumblr, MySpace. Oh God, live journal flashbacks. (laughs) And you said Tumblr. Tumblr's still thriving. Tumblr's still thriving. Is it? I thought... I thought it was kind of a, a community of like extreme weird. I mean, it was when we were on there to begin with. It's just when you leave it, it's different. That's you fair. know, when you can be on a different <laughs> platform, it's like, oh God, I was, I was that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you look back on your like, why did I do that on social media? Ugh, gross. And that that's the other thing about why the podcast was so important. Like there's a lot of things I've done on social media and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of any of it. Anything that I'm attached to, I can pull my own receipts on myself. I'm not afraid to check myself. Just the different spaces that it in. And, and again, Amber is completely right. K-pop is not just these past 30 years and it's most certainly not the years that BTS has been on the scene. Numerically, historically, it's connected to 1920 dead serious and I'm not saying it from pulling numbers out of my brain or anything I'm looking at it from my own notes in the k-pop museum so that's when it began and god knows I'm not going to go back that far because the difficulty of finding content is going to be tremendous it's already hard enough to find some of the things from the 90s and I mean we had cds and everything during that time but again everyone has their own interpretation and a lot of people like to talk the social media lingo you get a kick out of hearing people say oh i didn't know music was invented until xyz did it or i didn't know that this was so you know some of that is just lingo but there's also a good chunk of it that's just sheer ignorance yeah it's hard to find the balance between what is like just shit posting and what when people are serious sometimes people say very very bad things when they shit post and then like then uh if that's serious like we have a very big problem i have to agree i have to totally agree on that everything is is not always you know the the internet humor some of it is really people invested hard af into some crazy stuff crazy stuff i agree as the one who runs the crazy social media account some of the stuff i see i'm like um why bro i had to turn notifications off because like <laughs> some of the <laughs> i'm sorry my tweets are going viral but like some of i mean like engagement is good but like some of the stuff that people say i'm just like i i can't like process this right now i can't even like look at it I definitely can understand that being on the the YouTuber side of it. You get emails from people or DMs where like your personal opinion is so important. And it's like, you do realize I'm like nobody, right? Like I put on a shirt and, and now I'm multifaceted ACG. But when this time is done, I'm just random Ashley who's trying to figure out when am I going to eat and sleep? So you know, you try your best to remind people that, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I have influence, but I don't walk around calling myself an influencer. And the things that I see and and deal with as a K-pop fan and as a, a digital journalist and all the 
multiple hats that I wear and whatnot. They're coming from the standpoint of a person who's older, as well as a person who genuinely does not care about things that don't involve her when it comes to drama. Yes, I'm concerned about the world around me and all of that and whatnot, and I'm verbal about that, the, the necessity of philanthropy and helping each other. Everything does not have to be for uh, clout. Sometimes you just want to help people because you just want to help Preach. people. But <laughs> some of the things that we go through on social media, like, don't listen to me because I'm 35, I'm a divorcee, I have no kids, and I don't care about too many things. So the things that you're wrapped up in right now, my response is not going to be what you need it to be. You're going to feel like I'm deflecting or you're going to be like, wow, is that how she really feels? Probably, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you got to take people's emotions into consideration when they're on social media with all of this mouth running that they do but a lot of it is just keyboard warriors you stuff. only have a certain amount of fucks and you can't share them with everyone you can't share them with yeah. everyone i cannot wake up every day hop on twitter and be like oh man i'm only 30 minutes in and i'm out of f's to give like you don't want to take that from me you want me to stretch those out so uh it, it's it's it is a lot of fun being a fan don't get me wrong i don't want to make it sound like it's just horrible because it really isn't when you look at it for the grand scheme of things, the pocket of drama is just this pocket in this massive ecosystem of light sticks and album collections and photo cards and screaming over videos and whatnot. It's still fun. It really is still fun. The main problem, I think, is like that that minority is so loud that like we're all like trying to ignore it, but like they won't be ignored. So yeah. that makes it more difficult. We talk about that minority a lot on this podcast. And also just like, it's a reminder, the mute and the block button is there for you. It's a powerful button on all social media platforms. Just go into your settings and start blocking and muting stuff and it gets enjoyable If you, again. listeners, if you don't know how to do that, you can always check out the article called The Dark Side of the K-Pop Fandom. It's detailed quite nicely in that article about how to use those settings on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. I've had to do that so much in the last few months. If I just see like one thing, I'm like, nope, 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 get it out. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, okay. Like shifting topics a little bit, cause we're here to talk about Ashley too. Cause it's not like, you know, we don't get guests often and you know, Ashley has done so. Guess who don't really matter. Like y'all get some cool guests, you know, (laughs) we've had a lot of guests. I mean, that's why I said guests who don't matter. Like, I mean, we all have good guests. I mean, yes, I love all of our guests. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, this episode is meant for our guests, and we're going to talk about our guests. You know, Ashley has done quite a lot of things. If you have listened into the KPSN episode, Ashley here is the one who helped coordinate with her company. And, um, Again, we had so much fun being part of the event. And, you know, you don't get a lot of people, like there's like a handful of us who are so just passionate about sharing, you know, and being active as a community, a K-pop community. Because I mean, yes, there's um, 
we have the KCONs and all of this, but it's just like there are people out here championing, championing us for us to have a voice heard. And I feel like Ashley is one of those prominent voices out there, her and her company. (laughs) And I, I'm just like, Ashley has done quite a lot. And I'm, I was like, where do I even begin asking? I mean, and this is not our first interview with Ashley. If you have kept up with our monthly issues, she's actually featured in one of, oh God, which years ago, years ago, like 2014. Like me and Roxy were there when it happened. You like, aside from the K-pop stuff, you go by also Miss Blink and she has some music out there (laughs) she has some music and I think it's just we have to prick your brains just a little bit it's like you know I know making music you know it's been in you it's been in you for a long time and then so it's just like what is your creative process when it comes to just (laughs) sitting down and just doing it because I know sometimes like hey if you don't follow Ashley on um, Instagram she also sometimes does hurt like she is in the middle of working on a track and I'm just like that's so cool she does that and you get to hear the the makings of it but you know what motivates you to keep going oh my gosh when it when it comes first off like (laughs) I said this recently when I was uh guesting on another podcast I know Ashley Griffin like that's me. I know my schedules I know my work as a teacher and as a uh workforce creator and all that blah 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 my professional side I know multifaceted ACG like the back of my hand because I've been her since 2013 Miss Blink I don't know her (laughs) she I actually don't know anything about her schedules Blink is my actual nickname yes I go by a lot of things Maguala Mama, Jinju, Ash, you know Mac G a lot of things uh but Blink is my nickname. It's been my nickname since I was in in high school. I still have friends who don't even call me Ashley. They're just like, who? Ashley? You mean Blink? I know her. So the name wasn't like made up out of anywhere. It's just when I became a legal adult, I started putting the miss in front of Blink because I wanted to be sassy and I just kept it. It was no point in me trying to come up with some super cool producer name when I already had that name. But the creative process for her And I have to speak as if it's another thing or another person because I'll be listening to like Apple music or something and I'll get an email that says new music from Miss Blink. And I'm like, when did I do this? Like, I don't get the schedule when she's distributed, what platforms and whatnot. It's always a surprise for me. And that definitely makes it interesting that it's something I don't have my type A personality control over. This is a free- Wait, 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 hold up. So you make the music and then you hand it to the powers that be to distribute it. And then it's just like, surprise, yeah. new music. Yeah, like I'll schedule things from time to time. I do have some creative control over that because I distribute my music through DistroKid, which is very common for a lot of indie artists. They either do that, CD Baby, a few others. But um, I- upgraded so that I have a label of my own 
And even when you put a schedule, it doesn't guarantee that every platform is going to get it. So I don't know who gets my music. Spotify gets it first. That much I do know. But I don't know who gets it. I didn't know I was on Tidal. I didn't know I was on iHeartRadio. I just found out by mistake that I'm on Amazon. So like Alexa can pull up Miss Blink. I didn't know this stuff. I had no idea. So in terms of creative... Remind me to try that with Alexa. Oh my God, no. (laughs) When it comes to the creative process of producing, I've only been doing it for four years. I I really wanted to be a DJ in high school, but like I had no idea that DJs like travel the world and like they've got raging fans and whatnot. I just wanted to spend music and make extra money on the weekends for like little high school parties and stuff and college parties. Um, I learned how to produce, formally learned how to produce on a flight to KCON four years ago because I was being antisocial and I didn't want to talk to the person who was sitting by me. So I had a, a, a Apple iPad and I'm like, well, GarageBand's a default on here. I'm going to figure this out. And I, I did. And there was a point in time where I was producing at least one song a day for a year, literally every single day. So at this point now, it's either the song is like in my head and it's you know, waking me up out of my sleep. I've got to make it at two or 3 a.m. Or I'll hear something. I listen to a lot of music from all over the world and I'll hear something and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to mimic this because I simply can't, but I want to emulate the same energy and emotions that it makes. So it's not a very cohesive uh process if you will unless I'm actually working on an album if I'm just dropping singles like literally yesterday August 7th (laughs) there was a single that released in Monday August 10th there will be another every Monday and Friday I'm just trying to get music out um there's no real big rhyme or reason to those things but when I'm working on an album it's a little bit more organized I feel like that's a great like summary of the creative process because I never know when I'm gonna do something it just sort of happens. Like, I'm like, oh, this is a thing I probably should do. And like, I find some time to do it. I don't even like, I, as like, as a leader for the craze, I'm not a very good one because I don't plan things very well. <laughs> you, but, but that is a part of a creative process though. It's part of it. Not every leader has to be schedule-esque and whatnot. There is fluidity in leadership. So I think it still works. I'm also going to say Roxy's a damn good leader. Don't let her lie to you. Full-heartedly agree. <laughs> like, yeah, she holds it down. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's never to be so rigid. And when it comes to creative things, just like you said, like, we all have the mindset of what we would do if we were in school. We have the whole formulaic, oh, I need a schedule, I need a planner, and then I'm going to email you this. It doesn't work like that when you're in the work. It rarely does, but it still comes out fine. So lesson is we do the damn things regardless. Right? That's it. <laughs> it's just, it's going to be like, nah, nah, nah. okay, there, you're, you're, it's thrown in, out there. Okay. Leave it out to the universe to sort itself out. Right. I got some questions for Ashley. Yes. So Ashley, so we're going to talk about a little bit about your Miss Blink side of things. Something that Craze does frequently and what you do on um, AO3 is you talk about the music and point out different things. Something that Craze does frequently is do music reviews. 
music video reviews. What are some things that we could look for to help us make better reviews as we're listening? Ooh, okay. So coming from being an envy reactor to actually being like a, a real commentary, uh, you know, approach on it. First off, since you can't give people the benefit of, of seeing it with you in real time, you're trying to narrate highlights of something. So uh, think of it as a story when you're looking at it. Of course, the first time, just look at it as a fan and just be excited and talk about what you're saying. But when you want to go back and really give people like key points and whatnot, um, let's take uh, Stray Kids, uh, God's Menu. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Yes, we know the video, the cinematography, sickening, the editing of everything. It's so cohesive and whatnot. But when you want to help somebody who's unable to see it at that moment, get a visual, we're taking Felix's point. Felix comes in with this deep voice, which is already startling to begin with. But you have the track. All of the production around it has dropped out. He literally is the baseline of the music. And as the camera is panning, when the beat goes, that double 808, the camera hits and he looks, it's devastating. When you explain things in those kind of ways, when you're really animating the whole thing of, I'm not watching this video. I'm listening to the Craze podcast right now. And now I need to go find this point in time so I can be like, oh my God, I get what they're talking about. That's what you want to do. I don't think it's anything wrong with how people commentate on videos and the things that they articulate. I think you all have insane insane visual comprehension of what of what you're seeing and being able to connect it to how the music feels and whatnot but it's all in the way you deliver it it's all in the way you deliver it the way i'm gonna explain a video is because i do great moments in production and delivery or i, I did before youtube got really hard on me about it but it's not going to be the same way as that you all do it or the same way that someone else would commentate on it. So I don't think I have any pointers. I think I just want to hear you all do it even I have more. <laughs> Follow-up question. Yes. Um, so you talked about how to do it when it comes to evaluating music videos, but what about when we do full album reviews? How would you recommend tackling those songs? Because I know um, sometimes it gets hard and you run out of things to say when you're looking at the songs and you're like, I don't want to say the same thing I said for the last two songs. That's absolutely true. You will run out of things to say. So it can be helpful to, um, to give an overview of the, the feeling of the album and then focus on key songs. It doesn't necessarily have to be the lead single either. You might have a, a EP, a mini album that only has five songs on it and two of those might be an instrumental. So you technically got three songs. Okay, well, this is the lead and this is how this feels. But another important song to really consider on this, this small album is track number four. And this is why. So to keep you from running out, when discussing uh, an album in its review context, talk about the emotions that it invokes for you, what you assume a listener would, would really get from that. And be flexible about your ranking. Like I have my own ranking system and it took me a while to come up with my own. 
uh, because I didn't know how to measure that. And at some point, I'm going to have to explain how it's measured. It's very superficial right now. K-pop fans on a scale of one to five with five being essential listening and one not worth mentioning. Okay, I hear that, but what does that mean? Why is something five? Is it because the production is amazing or is it because all the group got to actually write the lyrics? Like what makes it a five? So um, I would definitely go in the direction of overall album review and then something that's not necessarily the lead single and really dismantling that because it gives you more to talk about. Some songs are going to song sound just like the song that came before it or the one after it from time to time on an album. And that's a pain to try to differentiate. I'm going to shoot myself in the foot, um, especially because a lot of our listeners really do enjoy this group. But when I wrote the review on the Monster X All About Love album, all the songs are great, but the musicality, a lot of them sounded the same to me. And I'm just like, how do I say new things about well, each song? So let's use that as a working example on this episode. Yes, you've already done it. You've already done it. So your interpretation of it is there's redundancy. It all sounds the same. Let's take a look at the references of what the album was built around. It was built around American K-pop, uh, American pop boy bands, early to mid 2000s. If you go back and you listen to NSYNC's debut album, it's the exact same formula. And you're like, yo, this all sounds the same. <laughs> I really can't tell the difference between one song from the other until I hear uh, the, the very first single that was promoted and then when they do the remake of the song sailing that's the only major differences you can hear in it so they were following that american formula to a t to an absolute t and when you take it in that regard you're like well i feel the way i feel about it but formulaic it worked it hit the nail on the head i loved the album it was just trying to like come up with a lot of things to say about what's going on and wanting to like sound cohesive. It's like, uh, what? <laughs> and it happens if that happens sometimes and it can be really helpful to look at lyrics and look at the, the themes of each. Now, everyone does not do that well, but for that particular album, you had a whole story. You had a start. I see you, you see me, I'm fly. You know I'm fly. Oh my gosh, my nose yeah. is wide open. I'm so in love with you. Things aren't working. We're going to break up. Eh. So, you know, it had a whole story to it to kind of make it work. Not everybody does that, but they did a really good job. But I was really proud of them. It was such a good album. And I was really impressed with how they told like the endless cycle of love in the store in the album. So it's really good. Good stuff. I I agree with you though. I'm not knocking it in the least bit. After a while it did kind of sound the same, but it worked nonetheless. I still bop to a lot of those songs. So Oh yeah, and the thing not. is fans don't really like to hear that though. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they want to think that their fave is like the best uh, them, that they've ever done. For them, so it like, is the best. And you know, I don't know. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a really weird point when you are a fan of a group or an artist and then they release something and you're like, oh my God, I don't connect to this. Like, it's just okay. It's a weird feeling. But 
it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, what we all hear is, is individually interpreted in interesting ways. Like my, um, I'm sure Roxy has an album she feels that way about and Jay too, but I know for me with my baby Stray Kids, their um, Yellowwood album, I kind of just fell off for a little bit because I'm just like, I don't really connect to a lot of these songs. Like, I really enjoyed side effects, but the other songs I was just like, I don't, I don't really vibe with these. Can we talk about how insane side effects is though, as a song? <laughs> but it's what, so what elevated is it? musically though. I know, but like, like, why did they do that? It was so like, I was not prepared for it. I hated it at first. And then the more I listened to it, I was like, okay, wait a second. This is actually kind of you know what's great is when you find the mixes of side effects and uh, win by ATs on YouTube, the best mix ever. I feel that way when it comes to Blackpink stuff. I was just like, I love this girl group to pieces. I want them to, you know, they like, oh, I just want them to flourish. But it's just like, it is like, there's things that are like redundant. And I'm like, <sighs> they're kind of releasing the same song every time right now. YG is not letting them do anything different. I mean, it's the same with Card. You know, it's just the, the difference is because they had so much buzz around them. Like, I desperately need this album to work for these ladies so badly, so very badly. Speaking of Card, BM featured on Jesse's album, and I lost my just, shit. At oh, you can't see it, but Ashley's cackling on the other end but i had to i had to make sure i was muted so it wasn't so loud <laughs> we don't mind it's fine it's all it's all good i mean the ver the verse he with uh with jesse bm and nafla i think was the other one and he i'm just like bm it's kind of like bro like we knew this was here but he did what had to be done i suppose <laughs> We support him, though. But also, let's talk about how he just donated over $23,000 to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation from his stadium's merch apparel. So <laughs> the boy can exactly. do whatever he wants right now. He's he's doing good things. Well, I want to keep talking. Um, we do have another topic to talk about today. And I feel like this is um, something that we should have done in an earlier episode. But better late than never. I think it's time that we do a mid-year check-in in, in K-pop and what is the current state of K-pop as of right now and what do, like, you know, it's free form so anybody can um, say what they have on their mind. Definitely 2020 has been a year in K-pop and so much has happened. And so let's just check in. How do we feel about things? What should we expect or what can we expect? in the rest of the coming year. I said AT's world domination and it's happening. So I just want to put that out there. Second <laughs> this, second this. I was just going, Roxy, do you have our 2020 predictions? Maybe we can revisit those. Yeah, I have it up. And see what are our current 2020 predictions? Okay, so the one that's super wrong is like too many tours because Corona happened. So like that one just got thrown out the window, but nobody saw that one coming, so. So the first one was that a girl group hits it big in the U.S. market. Not by sure that has by happened numbers, yet. By numbers, G-Idol. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, I, I put them as a possibility. I just didn't know, like, I haven't checked to see, you know, how many album sales they had over here. Their last mini and album was really good, And didn't they release though. a single in English, right? They did. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that single, that music video. Is, is, um, the, is that the latest one that just dropped, like, a few days ago? No, it's a little older, oh, okay. I think. We had an episode talking about this and like, but the career baiting was really real in that epi- in that music video. I mean, I agree. I mean, yeah, like I think at this point, a lot of groups that especially that are trying to make it big here in the West, they're going to try to do every single little thing to catch your attention. So that way, like, like I see them like, oh, they did that. Okay. You want to talk about queer baiting? Irene and hundred percent. 100%. I'm the one who did the article on that one. I'm just like, I forgot to mention that too. Darn. After effect, but yeah. That was probably one of the gayest music videos I've seen in in a while. It really was. It was, it was, it was, it was a good video. <laughs> it's like, we haven't seen anything like that since like, who was, not like Red Velvet way back with to Bad like, Boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they yes. did it too in that. My brain was going all the way back to like K Will. And I'm like, that's too far. I mean, they did it for Psycho also. It's just a shame that we couldn't get the full promotions that we deserved for that song. Justice for Psycho. Justice. Um, Justice. Definitely, I want to say in 2020, the girl groups have been doing their thing thing this year I'm so proud that we've been seeing I mean you know me like I've said it on the podcast it's hard for me to get into girl groups but that doesn't mean they don't go unnoticed and like the amount of girl groups doing what they need to do to put their name out there I'm just like I've been hearing more about girl groups than I have on guy groups I mean granted yes I we have our staple favorites in guy groups but I'm just like the ladies are doing 2020 right right now I'm going with the 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 whole movement of of the the mid and small labels. I'm not necessarily saying indie because higher music is not indie, but I think we are about to see a a real push for not being in the big four and uh, see a, a greater increase of. Korean American, Korean European, Korean Australian artistry uh, from this point on. With the big four being toppled over a little bit by the pandemic, not saying that they're not going to sustain themselves because, duh, they're major conglomerates, but Dive Studios is doing well with the content that they're creating. The Nam family are really making a new path for a lot of people. And Eric is thriving as a soloist. I'm waiting for Ailey to find her way back into the folds but i really think mid and and small labels are about to just thrive at this point oh 100 percent um like like roxy said at's domination everyone seems to think kq is this big company because of block b and i'm just like they've they've never been this big company like at all i also think the year of the not like self-made companies but like single artist companies is definitely going to be 2020 because like groups like Kung Daniel and Ravi both have two very successful single artist companies right now who else went to a single uh, 
you been from wonder girls yes and um yep. into it he already and into it into yes it's managing themselves now how are and they doing i don't i just like see them appear on twitter sometimes i don't know have they produced anything or put anything out they they have something coming out very soon i'm googling <laughs> Shoot, ashley google is our friend and then um rise of the rookie groups this year rise of the rookie groups there there's a lot of potential we i mean we talk about a group every week you know usually we give we haven't done that usually. for a couple weeks. we haven't done it for a couple of while but like we we take the chance to talk about rookie groups and underrated groups and you know some of the groups who we mentioned in this podcast they're like oh they made a comeback and we're like we we will always say it that who who was it that made us eight or we're <laughs> nature 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 like absolutely we 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 didn't like nature at least when they first started but they're like ha think again with this new release and we're like these guys just passed their their one year rookie window but when i did rookie roundup for my podcast one of the groups i definitely said stood out to me is cix like oh my god they just passed july 23rd of this year was their one year anniversary but those guys have something they most where are they do. i don't first of all they were supposed to have a comeback and then they were like just kidding jin young is injured and then they disappeared again just they're just waiting and just waiting (laughs) jin young's their favorite child because he's Jin young is the one that they got from wanna one so that's their favorite child they can't let him get too broken i was just looking at releases this year and um you know astro song what is it in english you can just say it in korean was released at the beginning of this year it has been that long I don't know. January feels like it was like 16 years ago. So like, it really does. Um, I'm looking at releases a hundred ways. DPR released new music this year. It was good too. Astro song is all night. Thank um, you. I keep forgetting what it is in English. <laughs> like Suho, we saw albums from Suho, Baekhyun, and Chen this year, right? Was that all this year? Yep, it was. What? And then, and then Sehun and Chanyeol just recently dropping their stuff. It's just like... I, I don't even have a concept of time anymore. I can't even keep any of this straight. Oh my god, Dun Dun came out... There is no time anymore. Dun Dun came out this year too from Ever Everglow. The impending doom that is Kai and Super M, just saying. Oh god. I'm like, I'm super excited to see what Super M's gonna do with this album because it's gonna be a full album. We have Taemin that came back not too long or he he just released the pre-single and then now he the album is on the way but there's a lot that happened in k-pop and it's just august it's the start of august and we're like there's too many like not too many things there's so many things that happened this year and then also like while there's a lot of good that has happened in k-pop there's also a lot of bad that has happened too um we saw you know most recently, we saw Hongbin from Vix leave, and yeah, that was that's just... so raw. That happened last night. This is a long time coming, and I've had like multiple people tag me in DMs on IG, and then I woke up today to two public tweets about wanting to know my opinion about it. This has been a long time coming. True. 
Hongbin has been over being on the stage for a while. And as more recently, 2018, like the fall of 2018, he was trying to facilitate his own online fan meeting. So like he's been off it. And this was his genuine feelings when he had his drunken rant. Everybody speaks from the heart when drunk, no matter what their heart conjures up. So if that's how you feel and the group and the label feel that it's more of an advantage for you to go and Leo was freaking subtweeting him and whatnot, like, I mean, not recently, because every evidently, you know, he's he's in subscription. I'm not because subscription. Good lord, conscription yeah. right now. <laughs> but like, this was a long time coming. Just go on and be happy where you are. The way that he looks when he's streaming, it has full autonomy, full control of his content. Is not how he looked when he was in Vix, and he knew. Although I love Vix, of the group, he was the least essential. He would usually start a verse or have a couple of verses or some verbal accents, and that was it. It, it needed to be six, but at this time, it's okay that it's five, and it's technically four because Ravi's not even there. He still pops in, but it is what it is. I mean, Ravi has made it clear that he will still promote with Vix. He just wanted his own label so he could do his own stuff because we all know how companies can be sometimes. I think that's a, speaking of 2020 things, I think that's another thing we're going to start seeing more of is that groups are going to stay together, but they're all going to go off and do their own thing. Kind of like how we have the, like, the produce groups, but without the survival show. Do you know what I mean? I really need them to end survival shows. So Why are they still trying to do them? Like, it, it worked. It worked like with IOI and with one one and then everybody started trying to do do it at a large scale. But they existed before that. That's how we got fifteen Ann and and quite a few others. Like the first co-ed, uh, they unique. were literally eight. No, not unique. Eight. We're going way oh, back, Jesus. baby. Big hit first co-ed co-ed group they were the first ones that have one and I mean it's it's because it's a competitive spirit over there you don't have a lot of opportunities to do anything except compete so it's ingrained in the fabric of the country but I really want them to end I really do I'm working on it now for an upcoming project but like Monza X came out of the the brutalness that is no mercy yes I'm having to rewatch that for our project and I I mm, I have a lot of words. I appreciate you taking that sacrifice because I did not want to do it. <laughs> oh no. I was that, like, am like, I going to have to do this too? <laughs> thinking about it, I've already watched that show twice. I was like, um, for me, if I did it a third time, I'm like, yeah, I can't emotionally handle this. Nope. It still kills me that they, like, they went from hating I am to being their favorite child. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm not even an icon stan, but like, an ex-friend of mine made me watch their their um, survival show, and they did the same I thing. I hated Win so much. No, the second one when they were making Icon, not Win. I forget what it was. Oh, called. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the second one. I only watched the first one. They like a couple episodes in. They brought in Hong Hong Suk from uh, Pentagon, and like um, the way that all the boys treated him was like the worst thing I've ever seen. It was like it was like high school girls. Like they were just, and I just felt so bad for him. He's better off with Pentagon right now. That's true. Are there future predictions of 2020? We're not going to see a live concert for the rest of the year and that a lot of artists are going to shift their marketing strategy to include a lot more virtual content. That's an easy one. (laughs) That's true. It's it's an easy one, but I feel like SM and YG were already on that, but heavily SM when they had the... um, 
you know, the SM Museum that used to be in Cognom, they had a whole theater for virtual entertainment anyway. Right. So I feel like we're all just catching up. Japan's already been on it anyway. So like, of course, the West is just catching up. No, 100%. And I think the, the news we got from JYP and SM forming Beyond Live together, I think that's really going to change the game for a lot of things. I know I paid more money than I probably should have to watch all of the Beyond Live uh, video concerts. And I'm going to say that that was pretty entertaining. And the synced up to where your light stick works from the comfort of your home. That was another really cool thing to experience. I'm ready for you, God7, to do it. I am not ready for that because that means I get to see JB in virtual, in like, with the solo camp. Ooh, I'm not ready for this. I've attended every God7 except for the Turbulence era. This is the only time I didn't attend a God7 thing and when they were like very first here. I've attended every concert. I'm not about to miss out on this. Have I missed an era? You just made me really have an existential crisis. <laughs> Did you miss an era? <laughs> I, I, missed, I missed one era. I missed one. I'm putting it in sequential order. I'm like, okay, no, you were at that. You did that. You were on stage for that. You were pressed for that. You went and did that. Somebody got a ticket for that. I missed whatever came between seven for seven and that. See, I don't even remember the album name. That's the one I missed. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I did fly tour. I, I didn't do. I didn't do turbulence. I didn't do keep spinning oh. because that was the 2019 one and I was already focused on getting out of there and I did not do and that's it I've been present either here or in Korea for every fragment of it yep I didn't do keep spinning that was a fun tour by the way that was a very fun tour I had to miss that tour because I was broke from what it's looking like that was the only one so I, I was wrong I thought I had missed something else there's just an album I skipped because I'm like okay I don't I don't really care so yeah it that's the only tour I missed and that was the one where I physically was in Korea for it and could have done but no here I am sometimes the travel to get up to Seoul for those events it's just so life-draining brutal it's brutal but it's you know been, like you were closer than me and it's still brutal to get there I miss being there a lot. I hope to be back in 2022. So, and just as I leave, <sighs> I see you. Well, see, that could you you say just as you leave. You never know what could happen. True. You never With know those applications, <laughs> right? And that all closed yesterday. That's so, terrifying. We're gonna start hearing stuff real soon. So, it is terrifying. So for Roxy and Jay, because they didn't apply. Um, Ashley and I both applied for the JYP Idolist, like competition, position, whatever, um, where they wanted you to provide a comeback plan for a JYP artist. And that's what all the like, the vague subtweeting has been about, because we're both like, ah, we submitted it. Which group did you do your submission on? I picked GOT7, but what group did you do your submission Roxy, on? Roxy J, what group did I pick? Stray Kids. Stray Kids. Yep. <laughs> Yes, I couldn't bring anything to the table for them. I think whoever has their handle right now has been slugging it out of the park. I have something on standby for them, but it's a very, very generalized overview because them and Itzy 
they got it. And Itzy literally is doing the concept I was going to propose. Like, I, I've never had earth shatter around me like that before <laughs> in K-pop. I'm like, are you kidding? This is what was in my head. So, yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. I'm nervous because if they do like they did with Super Intern, and by some stroke of miracle, I make it any farther than the first round. I have to present that shit in front of Stray Kids, and I'm not ready for that. Hell no. Hell no. If that was part of it, hell no. <laughs> She'd do it, though. Amber would do it, because that's the default for all of us who interview idols. We have that moment where we freaking spaz, and then we're like, okay, it's that's, go time. That's true. They need to know uh, that I, I love straight you. straight up did that with Jong up. <laughs> like, when I figured out that as part of it I was like I was like laying on the table in the press room and everybody was like Roxy are you gonna make like are you gonna be okay I was like no I got it I got it yeah I got it just let me die right now like don't don't like don't prevent my death I, I, I need like this. did it but like the second we got out of view I like ran and like fell in the press room afterwards I was like it's over <laughs> the first time I met Mont I literally had to go outside of the office scream and then come back that's so damn dope i mean at least you all are having like newer experiences all of mine are old as hell like i just haven't done anything in a while so meanwhile apparently because i obviously i can't see myself apparently i was pale after kevin apparently you were pale yes i did like i came out of that interview in a daze and i'm like that happened and then robin who's who's a friend of ours Jay doesn't have any color in her face. Like what? I, I I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. So I guess it hit me a lot harder than I thought. And then sometimes when you're in the yeah. press room and you're just next to certain people and you're like, <laughs> that's a real vibe. That's a real mood. I, you know, these, these more recent years. Yeah. When I was more active on YouTube, I had more opportunities to, to interview celebs and things that sort. Now at this point, like in my career I guess god that sounds so ugh. it sounds so much more elevated than how I see it but Mood. like last night just in the middle of doing something I'm text messaging with like film producers and videographers and whatnot and it's like dude like you know when you have that moment where you're looking at celebrities and like they're friends with other celebrities and you're like oh that's weird they're friends and now you turn around and like you're one of those people the degrees it's of separation it's it's a strange ass thing. It really is. But I, I still get cool interactions. It's just, I can't talk about any of them because of non-disclosure agreements. So like, I don't get the, there's stuff, (laughs) there's stuff that happens that I'm like, I know this is happening and I can't say a damn thing because I want to maintain these relationships. I wish we could have a group chat to like scream about shit like that. Like, honest, okay, like, for those who are listening, like, there are a lot of things that go behind the scenes, and we can't talk about it. Like, we want to, but we can't. We really can't, because it would screw a lot of things up for all of us. Like, some things, like, we can talk about after the fact that after it's released, but, like, there's still things that I'm like, well, we can't ever say what happened. Can't say anything. Yeah, and it just, it blows bubbles so badly because you might literally have the key information that people are ranting and raving about on social media currently I do and it's driving me crazy about something that was just recently released and I'm like well my name wasn't in that thing even though I'm involved so I can't really you know just okay have fun with it you know I'll catch you all later but 
it happens often and it's it's a it's a dope ass privilege let's not get it twisted with us being in media no matter what the level of that may be most people don't associate the opportunities we get with us they always think of billboard they think of fuse they think of of uh buzzfeed and things of that sort there's other things that happen that you know take a lot of work and a lot of time so yeah ndas are a real damn thing they're real real 100 percent, dude like there's opportunities and things that we can encounter as smaller productions and smaller publications probably popular opinion but i'm gonna say unpopular opinion i feel like groups and companies like to work with the smaller pop smaller publications because there's less hoops to work through and less things to jump and the smaller publications have the ability to make the artists feel comfortable and they're not like wound tight during an interview they're like hey we're just 20 somethings having a conversation i'll let you know when i turn the the uh the recorder off I got to agree with you. An- another person who does a lot of interviews, uh, her name is Cy White, and she's basically holds down one section of hip hop KR. And she's so smooth with that, with the interviews that she conducts. She lets people know off off rip. OK, look, I understand that your label after this is done might have some things that they want to omit and that drives me crazy as a writer you might have a really really good piece but they want to keep those same fluff topics but she's really good at like allowing the the artist or artists to just expound just talk and and vibe and and meld and that relationship is established and they see you on social media like no I know for a fact that person did justice when they did my interview and whatnot, like I, I, I fool with with the craze, or I, I appreciate what Mac G Magazine did and whatnot. So, those relationships, when you let people just really be themselves and not just the artist, it makes it so much better when you do the interviews. I got a question for y'all. What has been? What is one of your favorite interviews that you've done? It doesn't matter how long ago. Um, I don't want to know about any that might be coming because you can't say anything yet, but what have been one of, what has been one of your favorite interviews? I don't know about you guys. I like doing stuff in person, like, which we can't do right now. So we did have one just come out that was, felt very detached because it was all through email. You know what I mean? Oh, the Demian one. And like, or one of our newer writers wrote that mm -hmm. and she did a real good job. My favorite one that I've done personally was actually the one I did with ADM Lewis. Um, he is a singer, songwriter, producer, um, who's one of the masterminds behind Taman's Move. And our initial interview was only like 45 minutes. But as soon as I turned the recorder off, um, we sat and vibed for like another hour after that. And it was just a great conversation. I learned a lot. And um I'd love to sit down and talk music with him again Jay is struggling really hard (laughs) (laughs) rummage through like the archive of interviews that we've done and I'm like just because we do so much at KCON especially and then we've done some like kind of like what we've done we've done it through email correspondence and everything like that um I mean you did just dream about Mont after their mini interview (laughs) I did. I guess okay. I, that would that one was fun. Last that week was fun. fun. And like we had to cut out a lot of it for the same reasons that you were talking about, where it's like the the company would probably not want it, you know, out there. And we have to respect that because we love them. 
yeah gotta respect it but it was really fun (laughs) that was really fun i uh, personality wise like who sticks out personality wise who was very animated about it oh i have Um, one uh a couple years ago i did alex reed at kcon she is yeah she's really um she's really friendly and there was a a point in time when we finished talking she was like hey um do you mind if i just go talk to my fans for a second because they were over they could see her and i was like of course of course so like she seems very genuine and i really liked talking to her i love mama bunny i ran into her at kcon new york the first year i did stuff for the craze um, at KCON New York 2018, we ran into each other in the parking garage and we took pictures together and she's just super chill and super genuine. That's awesome. I love hearing about when people, you know, get to highlight some of their, their favorite interviews because some experiences are just so legendary. And then other ones are like, you know, I knew of you, but like now I really, really like you and want to support you after you do the interview. I'm like trying, I'm struggling to find like a favorite one I guess the one interview that sticks out the most you okay everyone would think the default would be Kevin but actually it's the one million interview that sticks out a lot that was a huge one that one I think it's just because I had Julia who is our translator with me and both me and Julia at the time were so nervous because it was just a big group of them really it was just us two and them and we're just like oh my god like these are some of the biggest youtubers here at kcon they have 10 million followers and it's just like i like i just remember sitting there and like it's one of those things where like you're you're there you're present and like i can't stare at all of you in the eye like because they have this charisma and power to them like, not that it's a bad thing, but Mina Myung, like, I cannot stand it. Like, it's one of those things, I'm just like, I don't want to look at you. Because, <laughs> like, you're, like, all of them gorgeous. But it's just it's like, like, she has... It's like you don't feel worthy. I, yeah, and I'm like... Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can't even imagine how Julia feels because she's translating everything that I'm saying that I'm like... Huh? And then, you know, they're very, like, at the end of the interview, very nice. Even their their um, managers who were there were very nice and um, very accommodating. They even brought snacks and everything, and we didn't ask for that. That's the standard. And, you bring coffee or snacks. And, like, even the one million members are, like, eat. With, and I'm just, like... Oh, I'm not used to this. So I guess that one is probably my favorite one. And they were really super nice, really accommodating to taking pictures afterwards. And then running into them again on the floor after the interview and having members like, hey, it's you. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> yes, we were we meet again. But now you're meeting the person who's not like, like work is like now over after the interview. Like, but I'm just like, did you did you sign an NDA, Amber? I that. I'm just like, okay, Junsu, love you, sir. Very nice. I would be vague <laughs> um, just yeah, to like, be safe. I'm here. I think that one sticks out as probably my favorite interview that we've ever done. That, and then if we're going to talk about, like, the more email correspondence, doing VAV. Roxy helped with that one, too. That was very fun. That's awesome. Uh, my second favorite was our very first interview with Mott. Because bless them for being so 
god dang patient with me uh (laughs) and rolling up with i'm running in and i got lost i ended up going you know how like in seoul the train stations can be set off by one letter one literally one (laughs) and i ended up at a station the other side of town and it was the wrong station and so i had to bust ass trying to get across town and they were super chill and they're there's only 12 subway you know lines in seoul compared to daegu's three so like mm. and having to like bust ass getting across to the right station and their global manager is just super chill just waiting i get up there and they're like are you good i'm like is it only you i'm like yeah it's just me and settled down and i'm like okay here's the deal hit record and then afterwards i guess we just hit it off well afterwards i had the opportunity to like chat with them more off recording and it was like a great bonding time and i think that's kind of what set off our great relationship with mont um being able to set the tone of everything so cute (laughs) that's cool the amount of ooze that came out yeah we need to get bm up in here i miss them (laughs) i will go on record saying i miss them come back they are the best boys um, and any other rookie group or staff that are listening, your group could also be the best boys. Let us talk to them. And girls. <laughs> girls, we would, like, we would love to have a girl group on here. Please. Let, Give I, us, I'm here for the cuteness. Please. Day we six. need the best girls and the best boys. We like to collect the rookies. They're all our children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to start collecting these groups like Thanos is co- collecting them. Um, Infinity Stones. All the uh, Infinity yeah. Stones. I'm aiming, not now, because I've moved my my show, as I said, so my media kit doesn't have the same numerical data. So I have to wait, which hurts me to no end. But uh, I've never had any high-profile guests on my podcast, but I'm hoping that my first will be Eric Nam. I feel like he would. I feel like he'd be a really, really good uh, moment. And the irony of how many of us have the appropriate contact information for his camp is hilarious. I'm like, wow, we all, yeah, yeah, we we all have it. So hoping to have him be the first. Uh, there's some other ambitious angles that I'm taking, but I have to have the numbers work it. I know I can say it and present it but I need the numbers to support what I'm saying. I don't think that's going to be hard at all. A part of me feels like that one is not going to be a fight. I kind of just want to get the like, so you know Ashley, Choi, BM, and Peniel all have their own podcast now? I kind of just want to have a collaboration. Let's collab. I want to get my name twin on a podcast one day. My name twin. The famous <laughs> name twin. He's more famous. He's the famous name twin. Um, I would love to get him on a podcast one day. I'm gonna give you all an exclusive. Oh, so uh, an album a day is going to have uh, an auxiliary show. And it's going to be just twice a month, but it's it's scripted. It's stories. So some of those stories are coming from the perspective. It's, it's almost like a, a, a listening, it's almost like a listening soap opera. So kind of like so Night Vale? Uh, yeah. So the first one of the month is going to be my own little story or whatnot that doesn't have to be in sequential order. But the second one at the end of the month is going to be a running story. And the 
mindset that I'm taking from it is that this is one big uh, entertainment consultancy. And on occasion, there might be some celebrities that are coming in and things of that sort. So once that's established and has everything in order, I would love to speak to them and be able, plus I'm a fan, but I would love to speak to them and have them be someone who has stopped through the consulting agency just to have a conversation. So yeah, I've alluded to it in the last episode of season three, but you all actually have the- Isn't there the CEO the also- Dope. Uh, Dope. I want in. Interestingly. Like, I know. Be a visiting <laughs> oh, consultant. Oh, this is a collective thing. I'm reaching out to so many of my friends, my family, other shows that I admire like I want people to be able to have an opportunity to do their thing like you're gonna it's gonna be a blast and since it's only twice a month it's not gonna eat me alive like an album a day attempts to do so I'm excited about it do you have any last thoughts ever I was gonna say Ashley you mentioned that you are a fan of mine and we do this to everyone who says that what's your favorite song okay see when you say favorite song I'm taking it from the standpoint of videos which is fair so i'm thinking the best one for me i'm digging the most recent comeback but i don't think that would be like fair let's see members of the national team i think that my favorite song from you all is most definitely from debut era just early on the what was their uh their single super my head will you be my girlfriend as their debut single and then they had sorry as another one of their songs. I'm talking about M-O-N-T that came out last year. Yeah. And their single was Sorry? They had a single called Sorry, and they had a single called um, Will You Be My Girlfriend that came all together on their album called Going Up. Don't they have something called Superfly? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me, I'll show you the video. Because I definitely had to talk about them for Rookie Roundup. So... <laughs> 24K has a song called Superfly. Oh, dear God. Did I mix the two? Yep, there it is. It's like, and there's Superfly. No, the one that I do like by them the most then is Rock, Paper, Scissors. Ah, yes. Good song. Because they had the, um, the red hair, the white hair, and the black hair in that one. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I can easily tell everyone apart now. It's only a handful of you anyway. No stress. Superfly was a 2-4-K song that if you look up M-O-N-T on YouTube and you go three or four videos down, that's the next one. <laughs> oh, it happens. It's okay. It does happen. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yep. I think Amber pretty that's much just it. said but everything. But I do like the fact it that will, it's so. not a large group. I'll leave it at I that. I like the fact that you can easily get familiar with the members and find a way to support them. I just need them to go to distance. I really, really don't want a lot of these younger male groups and female groups that don't have seven or 24 freaking members in it to get extra shine. It should be easier for somebody to be invested in a group that has three members. Hundred Way easier. 100%. Um, and definitely, uh, you were talking about the small groups and the medium-sized small companies and medium-sized companies go in the distance this year. And I think Mont is, they're trying. They're definitely trying. They're a very tiny company. But we manifest good things. Are they the only ones on their label, though? Yeah. Okay, that I didn't know. Now I need to Google that. Gina's a lovely woman. Her training, her idea of training her idols is very different compared to most. Like, if you watched 
um, mix nine, Mott was trained on like a farm for a while before they were moved into Seoul. Gives them the opportunity to actually bond bond. They had chores on top of their training. Like there's videos on their YouTube channel of the burning shrubbery and like dancing like crazy people around it. And it's one of the reasons why I adore them. They're very relatable. And we just manifest these things for each other and for these groups. And as much as we like talking and having fun, time does really fly by when you're having oh, geez. fun. <laughs> I just saw that. Ooh. This is definitely going to be a longer episode for sure. But we always enjoy having guests on the podcast. And, you know, sometimes we just we got to let it all go. So wrapping up today's episode, thank you, Ashley, for being here. And it's our 20th episode. Oh, my God. Any final thoughts before we end off today's episode from anybody? And Ashley, um, whatever you want to plug, it's all the floor <laughs> is yours. Oh, God, it's the pain to plugs. If I get automatic on plugging, everyone just know that I say it a lot. No, my final thoughts, first and foremost, just thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to drive by other people's shows and just vibe with them and uh, especially ones that you get to listen to. And now you're like, oh, I'm on there. That's cool. So hats off to you, ladies. Many, many more episodes completely and utterly. I need y'all to catch up with me. Come on now. I'm in the almost at 100 in 50 so like come on with it like bring it oh God, <laughs> i want that's you all to terrifying. have a lot of longevity um definitely uh listeners continue to support these ladies these teams of podcasts they're not always very large teams so you got some extra creativity going into editing and recording and syncing schedules they're all over the globe literally so just keep showing them their love and continue to run along with them. And you all can catch me on Twitter as well as YouTube um, with the name M-U-L-T-I-F-A-C-E-T-E-D-A-C-G. It's all one word. I am available on all those platforms. And if you're looking for Miss Blink Music, that's M-S-B-L-I-N-K, all one word. I am available wherever you can find music. My podcast is on all podcasting platforms. Multifaceted ACG presents an album a day. Yeah, Ashley, thanks for coming to join us. Uh, definitely thank you for those pointers on how to do music reviews because I know I always get stuck when writing them. And thank you for your input on um, the different the different things going on in K-pop this year and years before because it always helps to have an outside perspective especially because Roxy J and I, we talk every week about things going on in K-pop. So having that additional voice and input really does add to the conversation. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm so glad to see all you all. I know we all just saw each other during the podcast event, but like, it's, it's so awesome to see like my buddies doing well and whatnot. You all look healthy. So that's really important in this scary apocalyptic time. So please continue to take care of yourselves. Oh, thank you. Thank you again, Ashley, for joining us. And for those who are listening, definitely make sure to support her on all her platforms that she's on. Literally, you will have fun wherever you find her. She is a blast. And we thank you for having 
or we thank you for taking the time to talk with us on our podcast again follow her and make sure to follow us on all our social media and on our website we do post a lot that there's a lot that happens there's a lot of upcoming things that we are working on and other future podcasts that we're working on join our discord if you haven't already we pushed that we've just launched that we currently have a stock sale going on for our issues there's an exciting project that we've been working on that we cannot tell just yet, but we've hinted at it to a certain fandom on Twitter and they have been eating that up alive. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I believe our discount code is still stock, right? S-O-S-T-O-C-K. Go ahead and put that in checkout when you are on the website, when you're wanting to purchase our um, magazine through print or digital. And again, this has been the Craze Cast, and we shall see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.